Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob, welcoming you to another edition of Richard Diamond Private Detective Blockage Shows and Richard Diamond Private Detective. This episode comes from 1952, already we're there, January 4th, uh, the merry-go-round case. Can't believe we've done so many of these shows, I still have a lot left over to do. And then after that is Rocky Jordan from April 23rd, 1950, The Big Gamble. Sounds like they're taking a page out of Dragnet, where everything is the big something or other. Then after that is The Saint. I found this episode. It's early in the run from uh, January 8th, 1950. It's called The Purloined. The Purloined what? I don't know, but it's just called The Purloined. I have no idea. So I'll be listening along with you, and I will be pleasantly surprised as well. So enjoy all these, and I'll see you all back here very soon. And before we get to that, here is something really special. Tell me a bedtime story, Daddy. All right. I'll tell you a mighty story. I don't want a mighty story. I just want to hear about Goldilocks and the... Once upon a time... There was a great nation which had to face a great problem. But because its people were endowed with great wisdom and ingenuity, they were able to somehow come to grips with it. That problem, how to get the pits out of the prunes. Can you give me that again? So that if you ask what makes America great, I can only answer, her greatness can be summed up in three words. Sun-sweet, pitted prunes. You're putting me on. For only in America could the determination of a people working hand in prune with science remove seemingly invincible pits. Yeah, but... Today the pits, tomorrow the wrinkles. Sun Sweet marches on. Now, how was that? Besides heavy-handed, you mean? Um, yes. It was okay, but sometime, could you just tell me about the three bears and let it go at that? The makers of Camel Cigarettes present Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking camels. That was the report of leading throat specialists in a coast-to-coast test of hundreds of people, people with normal throats who smoked only camels for 30 days. Start your own 30-day camel test tonight. Smoke only camels for 30 days. You'll discover how rich and flavorful camels are, and you'll learn how well camels will agree with your throat. 
pack after pack, week after week. Here transcribed is Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Diamond Detective Agency, your crime is my crime. Oh, no. Hi-ho, Helen. Oh, Rick, honestly, the slogans are bad enough, but must you set them to music? Now, dear, dear, this is the age of the singing commercial. Keep with the times, kid. Mm, I'm the gal who could have married a Yale man, and what do I pick? A singing detective. Well, you just appreciate the finer things of life, Helen. Hang up and call me back. What? Just thought of a new slogan. Oh, Rick, you can preview your new slogan tonight. You are coming over tonight, aren't you? I are. Well, so agreeable. This can only mean one thing. You haven't got a client. Oh, Helen, you're so fiendishly clever. Seriously, Rick. I'll be expecting you at seven. And just once, try to be on time. Now, that is a challenge. But I... Oh, bless my little square head. Mm, I might have known it. Client? Even more surprising. Rick, I'm in no mood for jokes. It's Lieutenant Walter Levinson there, and he's no mood for jokes. The old grouch. What's Walt doing there? I'll ask him. What are you doing here, Walt? Rick, this is serious business. Finish your conversation, then we'll talk. Oh. What did he say? Honey, I'd better hang up. For once, Walt isn't kidding. See you at seven. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Rick. Well, what's it all about, Fatty? I haven't seen you look like this for a long time. I was in the neighborhood. I thought I'd stop by and tell you the news myself. A punk named Smiley Brill shot one of our cops, Rick. Oh, Smiley Brill, huh? Didn't know a punk like Smiley had the nerve to pull a trigger. Cop caught him breaking into a pawn shop. Smiley got scared and fired. Uh-huh. Uh, Walt, I'm sorry to hear this, but I, I don't get it. Why act like a lost soul? Lots of cops get shot up. They take that chance when they put on a badge. I know that, Rick. This cop was Ben Johnson. What? Come again, Walt. Johnson, Rick. Ben Johnson. There are times when words can't describe a feeling. This was one of those times. Years ago, when I was a green rookie cop, I made lots of mistakes, got discouraged. But old Ben Johnson always took me under his wing and helped me over the rough spots. Ben helped a lot of rookies like me, and everyone knew it and loved him for it. Yeah, now I knew why Walt's expression looked like the world had ended. And I wasn't glad I knew. Happened early this morning, Rick. Uh, where's Ben now? General Hospital. Doc gives him a 50-50 chance. Well, what about Smiley Brill? You got him? No. I set up a dragnet, but he's slimy. He might slip through. Rick, I was hoping maybe you'd like to help us get him. Well, you know I will, Walt. Only if I find him, I won't guarantee you'll get him in one piece. Now, cut it out, Rick. You know how I feel. I'd like to break Smiley with my bare hands. Only I'm a cop. So are you, even without the old badge. I'll skip the speeches. Where do I start? Smiley hangs around the Bowery quite a bit. Chances are he's hiding down there. Well, the Bowery boys don't talk much to police, but they might to you. Well, I have some friends down there. I might get a lead. Keep in touch with my office. And remember, Rick, I want Smiley alive, if possible. Sure, Walt. If possible. I got in my car and drove toward the Bowery. I kept seeing two faces in front of me. 
One white-haired policeman ready for retirement, lying in a hospital fighting for his life. And the other, a weasel-faced punk with a slimy smile. You don't often get mad in my business. It doesn't pay off. But there are times when it can't be helped. In the Bowery, I began looking for Leo Watts, a little panhandler with a big heart. I'd done Leo a favor a few months back, and I knew I could count on him to return it. I finally located him in a mission, working over a bowl of hot soup. Well, hello, Leo. Uh, huh? Oh, well, Richard Diamond, what brings you down here? You broke? Well, not quite, Leo. Uh, sit down, have some soup. It's free. Well, I'd, uh, I'd rather have some help, Leo. Oh, Oh, sure, Rick. Anything I can do, you know that. Uh, tell me, uh, do you know a guy named Smiley Brill? Smiley Brill, yeah, I seen him around. I don't know him so well, though. What about his friends, Leo? Know anyone he might go to if he was in trouble? I'm afraid not, Rick. I can ask around, though. Some of the boys might know. Uh, would you do that, Leo? I'd appreciate it. Sure. You sit tight, Ricky. Finish my soup. I'll be right back. Leo disappeared, and I waited in the mission. A little old lady brought me a fresh bowl of soup, gave me a lecture and left with a rewarded attitude after I promised to give up Muscatel. Finally, about 20 minutes later, Leo returned. Not much, Rick, but something to start on. Smiley had a girl he used to see a lot last year. Whether he's still seen her, I don't know. What's her name? Jewel Sanker. Dances at the gaiety down the street. <laughs> Quite a dance, too. Well, thanks, Leo. I'll have a talk with her. Uh, if she can help you, meet me back here in a few hours. Maybe I can dig up some more Smiley's past. Good, good. Only suppose I meet you out front instead, Leo. I just can't take another bowl of soup. At the gaiety theater, I found a stage doorman with a case of bad eyesight. Five dollars made it even worse, and I got by him without as much as a hey you. Jewel Sanker was on stage, and I waited in the wings. The boys wanted more, but Jewel threw them a kiss and skipped off the stage right into the arms of yours truly. I'm sorry, dear, but I've given up Muscatel. I have to have some vices. Huh? Oh, skip it. Jewel, I'd like to talk to you. So would every guy in that audience out there. Of course, you don't look like most of the guys. Your clothes are pressed. Carry a handkerchief, too. I'm a real dude. Oh, you're cute. Only I've got no time to talk. I've got to change for my next number. Mind if I walk along to your dressing room? Suit yourself. Jewel, I, uh, I'm looking for an old friend of yours. I've got a lot of old friends. Mm, this one's named Smiley Brill. Oh, Jim. A real nothing. What do you want with that, stupid? A little talk. You're a great one for having talks with people. Mm, I was a lonely child. Here's where I changed. Do you want to come in? Hmm, silly question. Oh, stop dreaming. I've got a screen in here. Well, that should bring my blood pressure back down to normal. Wait till you see my next costume. It's made out of carnations. Oh, I bet you smell divine. <laughs> yeah. Sit down. I'll be right out. What did you say you wanted to see? Uh, Smiley Brill. Oh, yeah. Him and me broke up. When did you see him last? About a week ago. Haven't seen him for about three months, and then he shows up. He wants me to go out with him again. Mm, did you? No, he's a bum. Him and me always used to fight about him not working. When we went out, I always had to pay the check. 
There. How do you like the costume? Well, well, I can see why it didn't take you long to get in it. Only aren't you afraid those flowers might wilt? Yeah, that's the idea. I see. Uh, getting back to Smiley... Oh, forget him. He's a deadbeat. Besides, I've got to get back on stage. Uh, just one more question. When you saw Smiley last week, did he say where he was living? Uh-uh. Hmm. Well, do you know of anywhere he might be? No. Wait a minute. He tried to give me some line about working. I said something about the merry-go-round. Merry-go-round? Yes. Said he had a part-time job now and... Oh, I don't remember all he said. Look, I've got to go. Time for my number. Drop around again sometime, huh? Glad you got here early, Rick. How'd you make out with Jewel? Oh, she doesn't know where Smiley is, Leo. But, uh, tell me, is there any place around here called the merry-go-round? A bar, maybe? Merry-go-round? No, not around here. Why? Uh, never mind. How did you do? Well, I asked around. Smiley ain't been around the street much these days, but I did find out where Bertie Morgan lives. A couple of years back, Bertie and Smiley served time together. Guys get pretty close when they're in stir. Yeah. Well, maybe Bertie knows where Smiley will hide. Worth a chance anyway, Leo. Well, here's Bertie's address on this paper. <laughs> I hope you can make it out. <laughs> Bertie's a real nut. He keeps nothing but birds in his room. <laughs> the place looks like a pet shop. Thanks, Leo. See you later. I started up the street toward the address Leo had given me. Finding Smiley Brill was developing into a slow search. All I could do was keep questioning people who might know Smiley's whereabouts and hope for a break. I located Bertie Morgan's rooming house, but I didn't go right in. Instead, I went into a drugstore on a corner and put in a call to Walt Levinson. Homicide, Levinson. Rick, Walt, your men turn up anything on Brill yet? Not a thing. How about you? Well, so far, nothing. I'm following up another lead, though, now. If it doesn't take me anywhere, I'm afraid I'll be stuck. Don't quit now, Rick. Just heard from the hospital, Ben Johnson. Didn't make it. Oh, no. Follow that lead, Rick. Get Smiley. Yeah, Walt. I'll get him. If I have to stay on his trail till doomsday, I'll get him. <laughs> Before we continue with Richard Diamond, here are a few words about smoking enjoyment. After all the various tests for cigarette mildness, camels lead all other cigarettes in popularity by billions of cigarettes a year. One important reason is camels' flavor, flavor that gives you rich cigarette enjoyment pack after pack, week after week. Another big reason for camels' overwhelming popularity lead is camels' mildness. Mildness proved this way. In a coast-to-coast -coast test, hundreds of men and women, people with normal throats, smoked only camels for 30 days. During that time, noted throat specialists made careful weekly examinations of the throats of those smokers. And the throat specialists reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking camels. Why wait any longer to start your own 30-day camel test? Smoke camels for 30 days. See for yourself. How flavorful camels are. Prove to yourself how well camels agree with your throat, pack after pack, week after week. How mild, how mild, how 
cigarette be? Make the camel 30-day test and you'll see. Smoke camels and see. And now, back to Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. So Ben Johnson hadn't made it. Now I was looking for a killer. A killer named Smiley Brill. I crossed the street, went into the rooming house. Bertie Morgan had been in prison with Smiley, and Bertie lived in room number 12. I went there. Bertie Morgan was a little man with a nose that resembled a parrot's beak. He had beady, bird-like eyes that stared straight at you and never seemed to blink. Behind him, I could see that his room was filled with caged birds, all chirping. Bertie Morgan was well-named. What you want, bud? Well, I'm, uh, I'm selling a new brand of bird seed. Thought you just might be in the market. Bird seed, eh? That's right. I got plenty of bird seed. Oh, but none like this, friend. Get your foot out of the door. Now, Bertie, think of your canary. Beat it. Now, move aside, Bertie. I'm coming in. Here. Oh, now that's better. What's the big idea of forcing your way in here? Sorry, Bertie, but I'm tired of being polite. You got no right here. Look, you're scaring my birds. Well, they'll get over it. Now, you tell me, what about Smiley Brill? Well, what about him? He's a friend of yours, isn't yeah, he? I got no friends. I just stay here and tend to my birds. Birds I like, people I don't. You seen Brill since your prison days together? Sure, but that don't make us bosom pals. See, who are you? How long ago since you've seen him? A month, maybe two. You sure of that? Sure, I'm sure. How long were you in prison together? I don't have to answer your question! You want a broken nose? <laughs> Wait a minute, now look. Well, I'm not kidding, pal. I want answers. How long did you share a cell with Smiley? <clears throat> Two years. By that, I mean that when you get out, you got to pat around together. No, but it does mean you might know where Smiley is now. In two years, he must have told you a lot about the people he knew, where he hung around. Well, sure, yeah, but... Sit down, Bertie. Huh? Sit down. Now, tell me everything you remember Smiley talking about in jail. Well, look, that was a long time ago, Then huh? refresh your memory. Who did he say his friends were? Think back, Bertie, then start talking. I was being hard on Bertie, but it was my last chance. He began talking... About everything he could remember that he and Smiley had talked about. Girls, sports, anything. Finally, after about ten minutes, Bertie was getting tired. And he still hadn't said anything that might give me a lead. Give me a break, huh? Listen to my birds. They're hungry. I gotta feed them. Now they can wait. You still haven't said anything important, Bertie. Yeah, so how should I know what you think's important? I told you what I remember him saying, that's all. What did Smiley plan on doing when he got out of jail? Yeah, having a good time, that's all he wanted. Did he talk about work? What kind of a job is he going to look for? Job, Smiley? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. He didn't want to go to work. His uncle even wrote and offered him a job, but this guy's strictly a bum. Well, what about his uncle? You didn't mention him before. Yeah, I didn't think of him before. Well, you're thinking of him now. Tell me about him. Yeah, he's an old geezer. Joe Brill raised Smiley after his mom and pa kicked out. You say he offered Smiley a job. What kind of a job? Oh, handyman, I guess. The old boy runs a business over on 34th Street, a kid place. A what? Oh, you know, one of them toyland spots. He's got a corner lot there with some rides on it, electric swings and that sort of thing. I went past it once. It's a nice place. Rides for kids, huh? Merry-go-round? Huh? This place. It has a merry-go-round? Yeah, a big one. 
Hey, why don't you go write it and leave me alone? Uh, maybe I will, Bertie. The address of the place. And you can go feed your birds. It was the first break I'd had. Smiley's girlfriend had told me that he was working at a merry-go-round. Now I knew where it was. It was getting dark as I turned up 34th Street, but I spotted the lights of the Toyland. Parked, went toward the merry-go-round in the center of the lot. It was the only ride still operating. There were two or three children riding the wooden animals around and around. In the center of the carousel, I spotted an old man standing beside a big lever. As I approached, the man pulled the lever toward him, and the carousel slowly stopped moving around. Okay, kids, all off. Come on now. Get off there, Sonny. Run along home now. Oh, uh, Mr. Burrell. That's right. Only I'm closing up now. Well, I, I don't want to ride. I just want to ask you some questions. What about? Uh, about your nephew. Huh? Yes, I'm looking for Smiley. He was working here a week ago. Well, yeah, he was, but he ain't here now. Well, where is he? I don't know. Hasn't been around for a few days. Who are you and why are you looking for Smiley? Well, I'm a private detective, Mr. Brill. Smiley's in trouble, real trouble. Oh. Mister, uh, I gotta go back to the shack over there, turn out the lights. City raises cane if I stay open after six. Well, I'll walk with you. You know, uh, you don't seem surprised that your nephew's in trouble, Brill. Surprised? Mister, anything that boy does is no surprise to me. Tried to raise him right, but he run wild. Figured if I give him a job here, he might settle down. I was wrong, I guess. Mm-hmm. Have you heard from him since this morning? Nope. Oh, this is it. Uh, mister, would you mind reaching up there and pull that light switch? It's too high for me. Oh, sure, sir. There. Now, how about... Oh! When I pulled that switch to turn the lights out... Brill decided to put my lights out, too. He must have hit me with an old piece of pipe, but whatever it was, it caused the blood to rush past my eyes and a million rockets to go off in my head. I don't know how long I was out, but when I came to, I was inside the shack, and I wasn't alone. In the corner stood the old man, but standing over me was the man I'd spent all day to find, Smiley Brill. Come on, Diamond, come on. You ain't dead yet. Mm. Well, well, Smiley Burrell, brave man with a gun. Yeah, brave enough to take care of you, Shamus. Smiley, cut out your yapping and get out of here while you can. Shut up, they got a dragnet out for me. I might be picked up alone, but Diamond here gets along real swell with the bulls. He's going to help me get through. Oh, you're crazy, Smiley. You'll never get through. I may get along with the police, but so did Ben Johnson. You try and make a break and the first cop will shoot you on sight. You're a dead man, Smiley. You know that smart talk coming from a guy on the wrong side of this gun? Now get up on your feet. Where's your car, Smiley? Out and back. You still got Diamond's gun? Yeah. Well, keep it on him. I'll check around outside to make sure it's all clear. And don't take any chances. If Diamond so much as blinks an eyelash, pull the trigger. Well, Mr. Brill, you must feel pretty proud of your nephew. Keep quiet. Smiley's a good boy. Just a little while, that's all. Oh, sure, sure. Tell me, Brill, what's going to happen to you? Smiley makes a break for it and leaves you behind. And for helping him escape, you'll be hauled in as an accessory to murder. Murder? What are you talking about? Now, why do you think your nephew's running? Smiley got too much to drink. He stole a car. So that's the line he gave you, huh? Oh, sure. Now, look, mister. 
I'm the only family Smiley's got. When his pa died, I promised to look after him. Now he's in trouble. I gotta help him get away. So you just stand right there. And this trouble he's in, you think it's car stealing? Well, it's murder, Brill. Smiley killed a cop. You lie. Smiley's wild, but he wouldn't do that. Oh, wouldn't he? Well, why did the police have a dragnet out? To catch a car thief? Oh, no. Murder, Brill. You think it's your duty to protect him. I wouldn't protect a killer. But Smiley's no killer. Now, you're, you're telling lies, that's all. Well, he'll be coming back soon. You'll help him get away. You'll help a killer get away. Well, I'll ask him. If, if you're telling the truth, well, uh, wait till he gets back. I still think you lie. I'm not lying, Brill. And we're not waiting till Smiley comes back. Stay back. Oh, why? Smiley didn't tell you he killed a cop. That was because he knew you wouldn't help a killer. And if you wouldn't help a killer, you'd hardly turn killer yourself. No, you won't shoot me, Mr. Brill. Now, I'll take my gun. Uh, no, no. Give no, it to me. No, no. There. Uh, okay, mister, okay. Maybe I couldn't kill you, but Smiley's no killer either. You lied about that murder. You're, you're after him for stealing the car, and he's got to have a chance. He's just a wild boy. Come back here. Hey, Smiley, look out. He's got a gun. I shoved the old man away and stepped outside. Smiley had been coming back across the grounds and the old man's warning made him stop. Then he saw me. It was dark and we both missed. Then Smiley dove for cover and began firing again. I crouched behind the motor box of the electric swing. Smiley! So you, Smiley! Come on out! Come and get me, Samus! I can see as well in the dark as you can! Smiley was in a good spot and he knew it. It was dark, but he was familiar with the grounds. He could edge from one cover to another. There were no more shots for a while. I knew he'd change positions, but I'd have a hard time finding him in the dark. And then I remembered the light switch beside the shack. I edged toward it. I reached the shack and stood up. I pointed my gun out toward the lot and sent my left hand up to the switch. Then I pushed. The lights went on, and I spotted Smiley standing in the center of the merry-go-round. He looked stunned at the flood of light. Drop it, Smiley! Why, are you... I got him. He staggered, then fell against the big control lever in the center of the machine. The machine started going around, and the painted animals moved up and down as they circled Smiley's still body. I stood there and watched. Funny, but I didn't even feel sorry for Smiley. After all, how many cop killers have music at their funerals? Rick. Yes, Helen, dear? I forgive you for being late. Well, now that makes my little heart go pitter-patter all over the place. Only there's something I want to ask you. Mm hmm That dancer, you see. Jewel. Was she pretty? Well, I, uh... Oh, I suppose uh, you could say she was. Especially in that costume made out of carnations. Uh, I hope you were on your good behavior. Well, I, uh... I didn't pick any flowers, if that's what you mean. Rick, I hate to sound nagging, but... Well, I worry about you. In every case, you seem to run into a blonde or a... Redhead or a brunette, and they all seem to be pretty. Now, isn't that just like a woman? 
Here I get slugged on the head, shot at, and meet a girl. All you worry about is the girl. Oh, you poor dear. Mm. There. Does your head feel better? Oh, yes, yes, honey. Keep rubbing it. I might even feel well enough to sing a song. Hmm. I knew this conversation would get around to that sooner or later. Helen, you are so suspicious and so right. I get a warm feeling when you're by my side. The kind of warm feeling that my kiss can't hide. Hold me tight. And hold me strong. It's so right. It just can't be wrong. Just as long as you're with me, I'll always find my way. Your love is like a candle that turns the night to day. My heart is yours, and come what may, that warm feeling is here to stay. That's nice. Thank you, dear. Rick. Mm-hmm. Would I look nice in a costume made out of carnations? Oh, honey, honey, honey. You'd look wonderful in a costume made out of poison ivy. <laughs> Come here. Now, Rick. Rick, stop. Rick, stop. Rick, you stopped. Aren't we full of surprises tonight? Dick Powell will return in just a minute. What cigarette do you smoke, doctor? That question was asked of doctors from coast to coast in every branch of medicine. The brand named most was Camel. Why don't you smoke Camels, too? You'll enjoy rich, full flavor and true cigarette mildness. The kind of mildness that lets you really enjoy Camels pack after pack, carton after carton. Make your next pack Camels. How mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Smoke camels and see. Here's Dick Powell with a special message. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of camels have now sent more than 198 million gift cigarettes to hospitalized veterans and members of our armed forces. This week's packs of gift camels go to Veterans Hospitals, Brooklyn, New York, and Biloxi, Mississippi. Hamilton Air Force Hospital, San Rafael, California. To all hospitals operated by the Caribbean Command of the U.S. Army. Now, until next week, enjoy camels. I always do. Tonight's transcribed adventure of Richard Diamond was written and directed by Dick Carr with music by Frank Worth. Virginia Gregg played the part of Helen Asher and Alan Reed was Lieutenant Levinson. Others in the cast were Howard McNear, Herb Butterfield, and Paul Richards. Be sure to listen to another great camel show, Vaughn Monroe and the Camel Caravan, every Saturday night. Men, when you smoke a pipe, it's for pleasure, isn't it? 
Then use the tobacco that leaves the pleasure in and the bite out. I'm talking about Prince Albert, the national joy smoke. Listen. The bite is out and the pleasure's in when you smoke Prince Albert. It's specially treated not to bite your tongue. The bite is out and the pleasure's in. Listen next week for another exciting adventure of Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell. This is your FBI. The official broadcast from the files of the FBI follows immediately. Stay tuned. This program came to you from Hollywood. America is sold on the American Broadcasting Company. You've heard Jack Benny, Amos and Andy, Bergen and McCarthy, still waiting to entertain you on CBS, are Rocky Jordan, Horace Height, Joe Stafford and Dick Ames, our Miss Brooks, The Whistler and Red Skelton. Now, Del Monte Foods brings you a world of adventure with Rocky Jordan. The tambourine's closed for the night, mister. Make it tomorrow. Let's see it at once. Mr. Jordan, unlock the door. Yeah, this had better be good. Now, boy, get in there. No, please, sir. Hey, what You're goes? Hurting me. Inside, I said. Let me go. Please let me go, and I make All you All right, promise. the kid's far enough, mister. What's it all about? I'm here for the return of my wallet. A wallet containing 500 pounds. Uh, look, we all make mistakes, so now... There's no you... mistake. I was here at your tambourine earlier tonight. During that time, this boy stole the wallet from my pocket. Is that right, kid? Effendi, I... I... Well, answer him. Did you or didn't you? It, it is as he says. I stole his wallet and your tambourine, sir. You understand now, Jordan? Not a thing. Including where you get the idea of dragging the kid in here in the middle of the night. Only to give you one chance. To return the wallet to me. Me return it? What are you talking about? So, you refuse. Well, we'll see what the police have to say. Yeah, why don't you do that? There's one right at the corner. Very well. Police! Police! Come! Arrest this man at once! Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Yes, Del Monte, the best-liked brand of canned fruits and vegetables in the whole wide world, takes you now to the Cafe Tambourine in Cairo, gateway to the ancient east, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The Big Gamble. I had just locked the sight and sound of Cairo out of my cafe tambourine for the night when the big knocking came. I made the mistake of opening up. A red-faced man came in dragging a scared, ragged little native boy by the scruff of the neck, accusing him of picking a wallet from his pocket in the tambourine. Then he demanded that I return it. In another minute, he had the police in, and we all went down to headquarters. I had counted on Sam Sabias straightening things out, but that was my second mistake. Seated in Sam's place was Sergeant Greco. And who accuses this man? I do, Sergeant, for the theft of my wallet in his cafe. So, Mr. Jordan, again you stand before me prepared to protest your innocence. Let Sam handle it, Greco. Where is he? The Captain Sapphire has a habit of sleeping at night. I am in command. Now, your name, please. Ronson. Howard Ronson. This boy can tell you everything that happened. Go ahead, boy. As you wish, sir. A moment, boy. What is your name? Where do you live? I am Stefan. I live with my sister on the Sharia Wisik. 
But I would not want Continue. to know. You were saying that you saw this Mr. Jordan steal the wallet from Mr. Ronson's pocket. He didn't say anything like that, Gregor. Silence! Proceed now, boy, and quickly. It, it was I who took the wallet from the man. But I did only as I was told. Go on, go on. Tell him who hired you to steal there. I was hired by Mr. Jordan. Everything that I stole in the tambourine, I was to turn over to him. Most interesting. Most interesting indeed. Gregor, don't tell me you believe all this. And why should I not believe it? Anybody with a lick of sense could spot this as a frame-up. Get Sam down here. He can tell you. It is hardly necessary to awaken the Capitan about such a small matter. Sergeant, it's certainly not a small matter to me. My wallet contained 500 pounds. All I had in the world. I'm stranded in Cairo without it. Yes, yes, Mr. Ronson. We have ways of getting the truth from men such as this. Where is it, Mr. Jordan? I wouldn't know. The boy can tell us. Where did Mr. Jordan tell you to put it, boy? He, he told me to place it in the yellow bowl, back of the tambourine bar. I suggest we look there immediately. If it takes a search warrant... Uh, that won't be necessary. Then come, all of you. We shall see now who is telling the truth. <laughs> All right, Greco, have your look. Now, boy, about the bowl where Mr. Jordan told you to hide the wallet. There, at the back end of the bar. Stay where you are. I will see. Well, Sergeant? Would you care to see Mr. Jordan? No, no, it figured to be there. Look at it, Mr. Ronson. Is this your wallet? Wait. Yes, yes, it is. And the boy was right. As I thought. Now... We shall return to headquarters. The wallet was planted there. Don't ask me why, but I still say it's a frame. You will have full opportunity to say what you like at the proper time. Come now. You, boy. Oh, please, Sergeant. It is not that I wish to steal. Mr. Ronson would not want me to go to jail. Uh, wait, Sergeant. Yes, Mr. Ronson? Money, everything seems to be still here. You are indeed fortunate. I see no reason to go on with this. Uh, do I understand, sir, that you will not prosecute this... This troublemaker after what has happened? You heard me. I'm dropping the charges. Mr. Ronson, I must advise you to reconsider. I don't need any advice. Now, why don't you take the boy home? I want a word with Mr. Jordan alone. Uh, very well, sir. But I warn you, Mr. Jordan, you will be under the strictest surveillance. Yeah, sure. See you around, Greco. Mr. Jordan. If That's the... all, boy. Take him away, Sergeant, quickly. Come, boy. Goodbye, Mr. Jordan. Well, aren't you going to thank me? Thank you for what? For dropping the charges against you? That depends on why. Of course, you paid the boy to plant the wallet there. Did I? He didn't like his job any too well. You know, it wouldn't be good for the tambourine clientele to know they'd get their pockets picked when they came here. It might ruin business. It makes a good threat, Ronson. Now, what are you after? I'm glad you understand. You see, what I'm after, I intend to get. What do you intend to get? All I want is the use of your cafe and your reputation. Your cellar is quite ample for a few uh, gaming tables. Mm, gambling setup, huh? What else? Rest assured, I have the right uh, connections in this sector. They'll furnish ample protection. Or they could make it rough for you, Jordan. Is that all now, Ronson? Oh, I'm not greedy. I'll even cut you in. Get out of here. Jordan, haven't I made it clear what could happen? Why do I throw you out? Either way. That won't be necessary. Uh, suit yourself. Just make it quick. I told you I intend to get what I want in whatever way necessary. Think about it, Jordan. 
Think about it. Until I come back. I watched Ronson walk to the door. He turned, looked back at me, and then went out. Halfway down the block, he was joined by another man. They got into a car at the curb and drove away. I wondered when the next move would come. It didn't that night. I was still watching the next day as I walked toward the Hassan Mart to order some things for my tambourine kitchen. Somebody was following me, all right. Not Ronson or his pal, but a frail, round-faced Egyptian girl. I kept going till I'd made sure, then I ducked into a doorway and waited for her to come by. Looking for somebody, lady? Oh, Fendi, I did not know. You could learn a lot of things about tailing people. Please, I, I did not wish to offend. What I must do is not easy. All right. What is it? You are Mr. Jordan? That's my name. And you are the owner of the Café Tambourine. The man who had some trouble with the boy there last night. I think you know that, too. A Muslim girl such as I cannot go into your café. So I followed, awaiting an opportunity. I am Deborah, the sister of Stefan. I see. I must also be a mother to him, Effendi Jordan. He's in my care alone. But it is not easy. Oh, I understand, Deborah. What did you want to see me about? This morning I learned that my brother had some money. Pound notes. And I knew that he could have not gotten these monies honestly. I questioned him. Did he tell you where he got it? Yes, Effendi. I am most ashamed for my brother. He repents also what he has done to you. Well, go on, Deborah. What did he tell you? That the money was given to him by a man named Ronson to perform a certain task. At my cafe? To plant a wallet there and then tell the police I'd hired him to yes. steal it? Yes. The person named Ronson paid him to tell the lie. He offered so much money. Stefan was weak and could not refuse. Not very hard to get Stefan to say things, is it? Effendi, my brother is not an evil boy. It is the man Ronson who is evil. Oh, I believe that, Deborah. Listen, you think Stefan would tell the police what he told you? Oh, I'm certain he would, but, but he's so afraid. Of what? Of the man Ronson. Oh, Mr. Jordan, if you would go with him to the police. Sure, Deborah. Take me to your brother. I flagged a taxi and we rode east through winding streets to the hills that hold much of Cairo's worst native sector. This looked like the way out for me to get Sergeant Greco off my trail and at the same time to get some kind of indictment against Ronson. Anything to scotch his plans for taking over the tambourine. We turned onto the Sharia Wisik, nothing more than an alleyway with overhanging rooftops that almost met above the street. Everything spelled poverty. And inside one of the buildings, it was even worse. Near the top of a long flight of stairs, Deborah opened the door. Stefan was there. Stefan, I have brought Mr. Jordan. Hello, kid. Deborah, do not bring him here. I do not wish to see him. I'm taking you to the police, Stefan. You can tell them the truth now. No. No, I will not go. You cannot make me. But it was your promise that you would tell them all that you have told me. I have told nothing. I ask you to go away quickly from here. Look, kid, this will square things for everybody. I've got nothing against you, not anymore. I do not care how you feel. I will not go. Mr. Jordan, what can we do? I'll show you what we can do. Come on, Stefan, whether you want to or not. Don't touch me, Jordan. <gasps> Deborah, you see now. Mr. Ronson warned me not to say he was here. Nick, Chuck, come on in. Hold your guns to the boy's head. Don't hesitate to use them if you have to. Oh, Mr. Jordan, I did not realize... Wait, Deborah. Is it clear now, Jordan? The boy's going to tell him nothing. Please... What will you do with my brother? That depends on Mr. Jordan. You see, I still want the tambourine for my purpose. What makes you think threatening a boy's life gets it? Because I think I know you better now. You show slight regard for your own welfare. 
But perhaps the life of another. Your big connections don't cover murder. Don't tell me to prove otherwise. What happens to this boy is entirely in your hands. Now take the boy out. No! Deborah, do not let them take me! They will Hurry kill up. me! Deborah! Stephen! Look, Ronson, killing the boy is not what you want. That wouldn't get your gambling into my cafe. But it would impress you. I have still other ways of getting what I want if this one fails. Mr. Jordan, please. For my brother's life, I beg you. Well, Jordan? Whatever you say, Ronson. Just let him go. Hmm, not so fast. We'll keep the boy undercover till everything's set up. Then let me go with him. He must have my care. Please let me go with him. Why not let her go with him, Ronson? Whatever you say, Jordan. Why not? Anything for my partner. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Now that the days are getting warm, it probably seems as if every member of your family gets thirsty a dozen times a day. You've probably wished lots of times for just one easy, refreshing drink that everyone in the family will like. And I think you'll find it in Del Monte Pineapple Juice. That's right, Larry. Del Monte Pineapple Juice has a special kind of refreshing flavor that tastes good from breakfast to bedtime. Really, this sunny, healthful juice does offer you an extra dividend of refreshment, a golden tropic flavor. Such a perfect balance of tartness and sweetness you find in fully ripe pineapples and nowhere else. Del Monte starts with truly exceptional, superior pineapples, picks them ripe, and packs them fast. And the flavor result is something to taste in every style of Del Monte pineapple, whether it's sliced, crushed, chunks, tidbits, or that sparkling golden juice. Don't worry, Larry. There's always a space reserved in my refrigerator for several cans of Del Monte pineapple juice. Yes, it's the perfect all-around refreshment for your entire family. So buy plenty when you buy Del Monte pineapple juice. And now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The Big Gamble. Well, all I could do was open up my tambourine to Ronson's gambling setup and wait for my chance to turn the tables. It was either that or the boy's life, and I couldn't have that on my head. By that night, I knew how well Ronson had laid his plans. The tambourine seller was all ready, and his mob were moving the gambling stuff in. Hurry up, boys. The dice table's in the middle of the floor. Uh, Ronson. Yes, what is it? Don't forget the bargain. Later, Jordan. I'm very busy. If you got what you want, turn the kid loose now. Do it quick. Don't be impatient. When we get into operation, it's soon enough. Believe me, if anything happens to Stefan or his sister... Wait. That man coming down the steps, isn't that Florio? That's Florio. You wondered when he'd be around... Get him out of here. Watch your step, but get him out of here. Oh, the place isn't open for business yet, Florio. Oh, you know who I am, eh, Senor Jordan? I've seen you around. Then you also know why I'm here. Because I found that you and this man Ronson are setting yourselves up in the gambling business. Looks that way, doesn't it? The police do not permit gambling in this sector of Cairo. Since they ran you and your small-time racket out, Florio? I tell you, this is my territory. And if you and Ronson do not learn it now... Then perhaps they will find you both floating in the Nile. All right, Jordan, I'll handle him. And how do you think you'll handle me? You men, 
Go outside, all of you. Take a couple hours off. Ah, so you wish us to be alone, huh? Now you're ready to suggest a deal? There's no deal for you. I just wanted to tell you you're all through. This is my part of town now. You have delusions, senor. I said you're through. I've warned you, senor Anson. I don't like threats. Now you get out and stay out. In good time, I'll go. But first, I'll show you... Cut it, Florio. Keep back, Jordan. I said I'd handle Not with a knife. The deal was for gambling, Ronson, not murder. Murder's a byproduct of gambling, Jordan. You know that. So what happens now? When Florio's boys start missing them. They won't be mad at me. This is your tambourine. Hey, Rocky. Keep him up there, Jordan. Here, Chris, what is it? Captain Sophia's up here. Wants to see you. Uh, tell him I'll be right up. Sure, Rock. I'll tell him. Talk to him, Jordan. But just remember, my men are all around watching. And I'll be right behind the door. Well, Jordan, you seem quite busy. Uh, do I, Sam? What's on your mind? Oh, come, come, Jordan. Must my visits to your tambourine upset you so much? Oh, sorry. Just a couple of things in my mind. Uh-huh. Perhaps it is about the trouble you had last night with the pickpocket. Sir Greco finally told you. Yes, he did. However, it seems that Mr. Ransom will not press his charges against you. You are fortunate. He'd never prove it, Sam. You know that. No, I do not think you would employ a child for such a purpose. And as for picking the pockets of your customers, well, if it... It would only harm business. You might explain all that to Greco. I believe he knows that, too. But as for this man, Florio, he is quite another problem. Florio? You know him, then, Jordan. I didn't say that. What about him? I'm not quite sure. There have been rumors in this sector. It appears that Florio is not satisfied. About what? We will see. I'm looking into the matter. But tell me something, Jordan. Yes? Do you think Florio plans to make a comeback in gambling? How should I know? It is only that I saw Florio enter your tambourine a moment ago. Where is he? I do not see him now. Uh, Florio's not here, Sam. Not now. Uh. Perhaps there is a mistake. Very well, that will be all, but... Jordan. Huh? What now? I somehow sense that you are faced with a decision, one entirely your own. Let me only advise you. No matter for what purpose, there is no escaping the law, either of Allah or man. You understand? I'll let you know when I figure it out. Good day, Jordan. So I was in it up to murder now, and still I didn't dare open my mouth. When I got back to the cellar, Florio's remains were already gone. Bronson was real efficient that way. Well, I'd started my gamble, and I knew it was time now to throw in some more chips. I had to find Stefan and Deborah. They were the only answer I could give to Sam or anybody else for what had happened. I walked down the street a couple of blocks, the eyes of Ronson's men on me all the way. After buying an afternoon paper, I strolled slowly back till the right beggar came along. for the poor, helpless blind. Keep walking, Joby. The blind must beg for piastres, Effendi. Only a coin or two. Yeah, sure. Here you are. Ah, Shakir. I'll appraise you. I don't mention it. I always hand out five-pound notes. Oh, but you are mistaken, Effendi. This is but a one-pound note. <laughs> what year? Nineteen and forty-eight. It is the delicate sense of touch, Effendi. Forget your racket, Joby. I got a job for you. But what could a poor blind man do, sir? Watch a man named Ronson. You'll spot him at my cafe tambourine. Watch him always. Follow him. 
As you say, I will not take my eyes off of him. When you find out where Ronson has a boy and his sister hidden, come and tell me. But not till then. They will be found. But uh, about the five-pound note. You find them and I'll double it. Now, Imshi, and don't look back. Alwa Effendi. Bakshish! Bakshish! Joby was a shaky risk, but I had a count on him. Nothing came from him that night or the next day. By then, Ronson had my cellar ready for customers. He moved his crew in that night. The crowds found the place quick, and the roulette wheels, card tables, and dice boards were as busy as Monte Carlo on a holiday weekend. One of those who came to pay his respects was a semi-high official named Ephraim Bay, who kept fiddling with some poker chips. Ah, a most successful opening, would you not say, Mr. Jordan? Yeah, that should interest you, Ephraim Bay. Uh, and why so? I, uh, I wondered what Ronson's political connection was. What's your cut? <laughs> I could ask you the same question, could I not, Mr. Jordan? Ephraim Bay's protection seemed to be enough. An opening night was a big success. Too big for the way I'd wanted it. By closing time, Ronson was in great spirits. Very good night, Jordan. Here's your share, Jordan. 450 pounds. Count it. Just pay off the way you promised, Ronson. The way I promised? I don't remember. The kid and his sister. At least let me know where they are. And give up my best insurance? No. Things are going too well. Let's keep it that way. Ronson and his crew left the cellar for the night, but I knew some of them would stay close around. I wondered how long it would go on. I was just about to lock up the front tambourine door when Joby moved out of a shadow. Bakshish! Bakshish for the blind, the fence. Say it fast, Joby. I have found the boy Stefan and his sister, Mr. Jordan. Where? In a small houseboat on the Nile, the third north of the, of the Bullock Bridge. Uh, here's your ten. Now, you got another job. Your wish, Effendi. Get in touch with Florio's men. Tell them Florio was killed by Ronson in my tambourine cellar where the gambling goes on. Oh, but Mr. Jordan, when they learn of this, most terrible things will happen. Yeah, I hope so. Now go tell them. Get going, Joby. Joby scooted off and I locked up for the night. Nothing happened through the next day, but there was plenty in the air and I felt something coming. The gambling crowds were heavier than ever that night. Ronson hadn't showed up yet, but the pint-sized politician Ephraim Bay was there again, still shuffling a bunch of poker chips in his hand. Well, Mr. Jordan, something still disturbs you? You seem contented enough, Ephraim Bay. Uh, why not? Things are going quite well. They might get even better. Do you not agree? Sure, they'll get better. They'll get a lot better. Uh, Mr. Jordan, Mr. Jordan, help me get out of here. It was Florio's mob and plenty of them. They piled down the steps, knocking over the tables and the customers that got in their way. Then they each picked one of Ronson's men. Building to an A1 free-for-all. That's when I left Ephraim Bay to fend for himself and ducked up the steps and out the back way. Mr. Jordan, Mr. Jordan, Joby, I'm glad you're here. I told you, Effendi. I warned you what would happen. That's what I wanted, Joby. Now go call the police. Hurry. Tell them there's a riot in my tambourine. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. It's only human nature, I suppose, but now that spring is well underway, most of us just can't wait for summer to get here. So, how about a real midsummer treat right now? A golden-crusted shortcake piled high with luscious Del Monte sliced peaches. 
tender and mellow and brimming with juice. Everybody will save room for that dessert. Sounds wonderful, Larry. But then I think my family would save room for Del Monte peaches anytime, shortcake or no. Yes, you can serve Del Monte peaches as often as you like and know they'll always be welcome. They're ripened on the tree for deep, rich, full flavor. Flavor the way nature makes it. The flavor that has made Del Monte the best-like brand of peaches in the world, bar none. You will want to serve them often, too, not only because they're delicious, but because they're easy for you and sensibly priced in the bargain. Of course Del Monte peaches are popular, Larry. We women like to be sure we get our money's worth in quality and flavor every time. So why not plan a tempting peach salad or dessert this week? Ask for Del Monte sliced peaches tomorrow. And don't settle for less. Back now to Rocky Jordan for the conclusion of tonight's story. Joby scooted off to get the police, and in a few seconds I spun my car out of the dark alley and turned down the hill toward the Nile. I parked near the Bulak Bridge and made my way to the water's edge. I spotted the little houseboat with one of Ronson's heavies guarding the narrow gangplank that led to shore. So I moved a little way upstream and did some swimming till I was able to pull myself over the rail of the houseboat on the riverside. Just as I hit the deck, the guard heard me. He came running around, saw me too late. One try at his midsection, caved him in. Then it was man overboard. Chuck, what's going on out here? Who's there? Don't you know me, Ronson? I'm your partner. Jordan, what are you doing here? Just looking around. Get off this boat. Not till I see who's inside. Keep out of there. Jordan, you saw what I did to Florio. That's what you want. The knife won't work this time, Ronson. Drop it. Drop it. Jordan! That's enough. All right, Ronson. Now, like I said, we'll see who's inside. Deborah. Deborah, is he Mr. Jordan? Effendi, Jordan, we feared you would never come. Well, it's all over now, Deborah. Ronson won't bother you anymore. Then we are free to go back to our home? Stefan, you promised to tell some things to the police, remember? Oh, I'm sure that he remembers. Yes, I wish to tell the police everything. And to prove to them that you did no wrong. Now, you've got yourself a big job, Stefan. But let's go. Well, we left Ronson's pal still splashing around in the river. I dumped Ronson into my car, along with Deborah and a kid brother. We all went down to headquarters. Sam Sabaya was there this time. Seems he'd been real busy locking up a lot of rioters for my tambourine. And more would be picked up later. Stefan and Deborah told Sam everything they knew, and I filled in the rest. And a little later, Sam and I went back to have a look at my tambourine cellar. Well, Jordan, the rioter did a most thorough job. The place is torn to bits. Yeah, didn't miss a thing, did they, Sam? It's all right with me. Yes, I know. The beggar named Joby has told me how you contrived to have Florio's men raid your tambourine and then send for the police. Maybe there was a better way. I don't know. Your motives were of the best, Jordan. That is the important thing. Anyhow, you got Ronson. For illegal gambling, a charge which is worth little in Cairo. The murder of Florio, perhaps, although... The proof might not be so easy. With me as the only witness. But Ronson's kidnapping of the boy can be definitely proved. And that is enough. Sam, you might want to throw a few questions at a two-bit politician named Ephraim Bay. <laughs> I did not tell you, did I, Jordan? Hmm? It seems that Ephraim Bay stepped in the way of a flying chair at the height of the excitement. <laughs> he is in the hospital. No. 
Hurt bad, sir? No, but in some difficulty. At the moment, he is trying to explain to the commissioner how he could be here and know of gambling in this sector, yet never reported to the police. That'll give him a headache. If he does not already have one. Well, I will tell you good night now, Jordan. Uh, good night, Sam. Maybe we can both get some sleep for a few nights now. <laughs> Would you like to bet on that, Jordan? Bet on it? Sam, you know I never gamble. For superb flavor, for dependable quality always, enjoy Del Monte fruits and vegetables. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. The brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Larry Roman and Gomer Cool, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jane of as Sam Sabaya, and is produced and directed by Cliff Howell, with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arunt. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is The Mystery of Carl Kleist. Sure as you keep flour and sugar handy, you should have Del Monte crushed pineapple, too. Here's all the tart, sweet, tropical flavor of Del Monte pineapple in a style that's especially convenient for gelatin salads, baking, or ice cream. Ask your grocer for Del Monte crushed pineapple tomorrow. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Adventures of the Saints, starring Vincent Price. The Saints, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as The Saints. Good evening, sir, and welcome to the Bachelor's Fame. I beg your pardon? 
I said, welcome to the bachelor's friend. Oh, well, I'm sure you'd make a very nice bachelor's friend, but all I had in mind was a loaf of bread. <laughs> the name of his bakery is the bachelor's friend. It was Mr. Vanderpoor's idea. Oh, with a name like that, I suppose he was painted to be whimsical. However, I... oh. what is it about you? What's your name? Uh, Simon Templer, but is anything wrong? No, no. That car that just stopped uh, outside. There's nothing wrong, honestly. Here. Oh, what's that? Your cake. My cake, but I wanted a loaf of bread. Oh, well, you love that cake. It's just like the kind your mother used to bake. My mother used to bake terrible cakes. Battleships used them for anchors. Hello, Peggy. Uh, hello, Mr. Gregg. Martin, say hello to Peggy. Sure, Mr. Gregg. Hello, Peggy. Hello. Your customer is leaving, Peggy. Oh, yes. Yes, of course he is. He's well, just leaving. a moment now. I might like it here. Your customer is leaving, Martin. Uh, like you say, Mr. Gregg, he's on his way right now. Well, I feel terribly self-conscious being talked about like... <laughs> a revolver, Martin? A revolver. Loaded? Loaded. You're quite convinced I'm leaving? You heard what Mr. Gregg said? I should hate to make a liar of Mr. Gregg. You won't. And keep on living. I and I won't. I like living. Good night, everyone. Morton. Hey, yeah, Mr. Gregg. He seems like a nice chap. He does? One of the finest. I think perhaps we owe him a ride. But you needn't bother. I get cars. See that he takes a cab, Morton. Give the driver his instructions. Have him take our friend here for a long drive to the ocean. Hey, yeah, Mr. Gregg. It's a beautiful night. He'll enjoy his drive. Come on, Mr. Cummings. Uh, don't forget your cake. My cake? Oh, yes, thank you, Peggy. Good night. Good night, sir. Uh, Mr. Yes? I wouldn't toy with no Boy Scout ideas about doing a good deed if I was you. Nature Lovers of America was my outfit. Just forget all about that blonde back in the store. Well, I'll try, but I can't promise she was so... Oh, you know what I mean, Morton. Yeah. And then you're a cab. Hey, taxi. Oh, how convenient. Get in. Thank you. Hey, cowboy. Me? Yeah, you. My name happens to be Benny, not cowboy. So it's Benny. The gent in the back seat is going for a long drive to the ocean. You like fish? Oh, shut up. A long drive, see? Him? Yeah, him. So he's going for a long drive. It's all right with you me. You better be I'm sure not... he don't change his mind and come right back here. Otherwise... Otherwise? There'll be one dead gent and also one dead jitney jockey. Me? Yeah, you. Now get out of here and fast. I've been gone an hour. Benny. No, 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 no. I don't know if I should talk to you. Oh, well, don't talk to me. Listen. We're not going for that drive. Heard what the fellow with the cannon said, but uh, what's more important, I heard what he said. We're going for a drive to the ocean. Uh, but, Peggy, the girl back at the bakery, she's in danger. We've got to help her. I don't like girls. Horses I like better. Well, how would you like a broken arm? Right or left? Both. I wouldn't, but that log has got a gun. I'm closer to you than he is. Okay, we're going back. <laughs> And me, a married man. Hey, the joint stop. Yes, and we've been gone only a few minutes. You'd better come with me. Sure. What have I got to lose? Whoops, my light. And the store is dark, all right, and uh, the door is locked. Now, you see, everybody went home. We ought to go home, too. Your home. My wife don't like me. There's something wrong. I can't see a thing in fact. Maybe that was Peggy. She's got a nice voice, but I think she was off. Oh, there may be another entrance. 
uh, that's all backfiring. The bread is backfiring. The, there are people inside. We've got to get in. Me, I think a nice long drive to the ocean would be nice. It's... Hey, 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 what are you dragging a handkerchief out for? You going to sneeze? No, I'm going to wrap it around my fist and smash the glass next door. What's the law against that? And I've just repealed it now to reach in and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Still dark here. The back room, perhaps, huh? There's a light shining along the floor over there. Yeah, that's it, then. Hey, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, look, before you open that door, you, you've been bulletproof lately? No. Oh. Joint's empty. This is small room. Window probably overlooks an alley. Yeah, the alley's empty, too. You see, like I told you, everybody went bye-bye, and that's... This... What he's staring at? Behind his desk? Uh, look for yourself, John. My name is Benny, and like I said... Oh, one of the little playmates, the love. He got tired and lay down. No, you haven't looked closely enough, Benny. He's lying down all right, but not because he's tired. He's dead. <laughs> So I phoned the cops like you said. They'll be very glad to drop in right away. Good. Find out anything? Morton's dead. The others must have ducked out the back window. Well, there's nothing more to be discovered here, therefore... Wait a minute, wait. Are you leaving? <laughs> I'm afraid I am. Yeah, but the cops are not going to be happy about it. Well, they don't like me anyway. My wife don't like me. That don't mean I can walk out on her. Uh, yes, but you see, you married your wife. I didn't marry the police. You got something there. <laughs> yes, good night. And give the police my love. Good night, sure, I'll give it. Wait a minute, love from home. Hello, Mr. Kempster. Well, of course, it may be an optical illusion. Hello, but, Simon. You know, all optics should have such illusions. Hello, Peggy. I'm, I'm here. So I noticed. Should you be here in my apartment? Why not? The explanation could lead to trouble. Right. Very warm for January, isn't it? Is it? Very warm for January. What brings you here? It's a very nice apartment. No etching, though. Okay. Etching? Uh, Peggy, how did you get in here? The janitor let me in. He did? Why? I told him I was your sister. I've already told him I'm an only child. Then he's probably very confused by me. No, he's merely having low thoughts. <laughs> Matter of fact, I might be having low thoughts, too. Fine-minded. Except that I'm the high-minded type. Uh, what happened to your little friend? Mm, to Greg and Morton, I don't know. They got into a terrible argument. And you detest arguments. Uh-huh. So I went out the back end game, right? Well, yeah. you shouldn't have. You missed something. I did? Definitely. What did I miss, Don? The end of the argument. Morton lost. Oh? <laughs> the hard way. He was shot. Fine. Not by me. He was shot dead. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Why? Did you shoot him? Of course not. But you see, Mr. Greg and Morton were fighting over me. Were they? You would sound as if you don't believe me. Don't you think I'm worth fighting over? Oh, yes, I do. Then why are you back in the way Well, we mustn't forget that we're brother and sister. I'm a mess, Joe. And besides, you're not to face. Well, what does that mean? If Greg and Morton were fighting over you, then obviously both of them believed you were worth fighting over. And at the moment, Morton is dead. Isn't that frightening? It terrifies me. Are you a man or are you a mother? 
Well, I like cheese. Oh, then suppose we forget the whole thing. I just made a mistake about you. Which reminds me, I made another mistake. Which one? That cake I gave you, it didn't belong to you. I didn't ask for it. I know, but I was a little confused. I want the cake, please. The cake? Oh, yeah. It's the cake. Simon, are you stalling? No. No, I'm trying to remember what happened to it. Trying to... Simon, you don't have the cake with you? Oh, you can fetch me, but I warn you, I'm fixed. Simon, what happened to that cake? I must have forgotten it in the cab. In the cab? Simon, what kind of a cab was it? Uh, the kind with a meter. Oh, you... Mm. I'm going. The temperature's dropped badly. Goodbye, Peggy. I hope the janitor tells your wife about your sister, and I hope your wife knows you don't have a sister. Uh, I don't have a wife, either. Oh, I hate you. Not Hello, oh. Peggy. Mr. Gregg. You're not leaving. Well, I... You're not. Come on, get back inside. All right. Greg, you're no gentleman. I take it, Pop. You're pointed. Is it over? Yes, I am. Is that the one with uh, which you shot Morton? As it happens, I didn't. What's Peggy doing in your apartment? Oh, nothing important. You see, she's my sister. For real? And her brother. Peggy? His name's Simon Templer. Templer? Saint? Well, not really. It's only that my etchings are at the cleaner. It's and... down. Uh, thank you, but I... It's down. What did you insist? The um, couch? The couch. <laughs> All right. But you won't mind if I remove the cushion. I hate cushions. <laughs> Therefore, I have one on me. <laughs> oh, sorry, the cushion hit you in the face. <laughs> Perhaps I can do even better with this. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> My hand hurts. Simon, what a beautiful right to the jaw. <laughs> Thank you. I don't like to do it very often. It's so hard on the hands, but... Uh... Well, I'd better get his gun. I had this lamp all picked out to hit him with, Simon, so thanks for bending over. Oh, I'm dead. All right, all right. Ooh, Simon, the two-headed boy. Meet Peggy and see John Hopkins. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Already got a ringing in my head, both my head. So I came in because I was ringing. I know, and ringing. Nobody was answering and nobody was answering. Neither of my heads were answering, that's true. But why did you come here in the first place? Well, I am the honest. I wondered how long it would be before you identified yourself. Mr. Templer, you know me. And not in my present condition. You're the one who's telling me how you're an only child. So and you started wondering about my sister. Yeah. I beg your pardon? Yeah. Well, I suppose that's true, too, but uh, she's gone. True. My sister... Never mind, Peggy. Is so? Is so. Oh. Is so bad. Is not so bad. No? Maybe. Perhaps she'd better run along and... Uh, the next time she shows up, I'll introduce that you. That is not why I am coming here. Oh, pardon my digression. Uh, but why are you coming here? Why are you making bang bang from this apartment? Bang bang? You mean uh, like people are shooting? Absolutely. Oh, lots of people waving, lots of other people on the jaw, on the head, and so on. But you are holding in your hand. Oh yes, yes. I just got around to noticing it—a revolver. A revolver makes bang bang. True. <laughs> well, perhaps we'd better get into the living room and. Uh, yeah, oh, that, that's 20 carats. Uh, Peggy weighs it on me. I am smelling it's something else. Yeah, gunpowder. Meaning someone's recently fired a gun here and... Oh, good Lord. No. Yeah? It's Greg on the rug. He is why a here, bang, bang. How true. Two bullets in his chest. <laughs> He's dead. 
You shoot him? Oh, thanks for the question mark at the end of that. No, I, I didn't. I was knocked out. Greg was shot, and then the revolver was put in my hand. Uh, eventually, I suppose the police were supposed to arrive, find Greg dead, the murder weapon crawling with my fingerprints, and mm-hmm. it's bad. Yeah? It's not good, yeah. Disturbed. What you do now? I don't know. Except, of course. Peggy wanted to know who the cab driver was. What cab driver? The one who took the cake. Mr. Templer, I, I oh, don't... the police. I had better not bother them. Huh. What are you going to do? I'll find a murderer for them before they decide they found one in me. Red Devil Cab Company. That's what you wanted. That's what I wanted. Here you are. <laughs> um, don't buy any yards. Oh, why should I? I already got one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? What can I do for you? Are you in charge here of the garage and cab fleet? Well, you could say that. Is that what you're looking for? Well, actually, I'm looking for Benny, one of your cab drivers. Benny what? Just Benny. Uh, oh, him? <laughs> Hey, get out of here, mister. Oh, I'm not joking. The license plate number of the cab he was driving was X4376. No gag? No gag. Hold on a second, I'll check. Oh, thank you. X4343. Yeah, yeah, Benny Scott. Uh, is he in the garage now? No, no, he's out of his cab. Uh, is he due in soon? Yeah, the tour's over. Uh, then, uh, then he's over to you. Oh, you can't say that. He might have got a fare out to the suburbs or something. Or oh, someplace. Would you mind if I waited for him? Hey, what's he done? Oh, it's not what he's done that's important. It's what may be done to him. I've been here for more than an hour. Yeah, Benny isn't usually this late, but oh, excuse me. Red Devil, Devil Cab Company, Grogan speaking. What? One of our cabs is parked in front of your driveway. Well, lady, you just tell the driver to. Huh? No driver in it. Lady, that's impossible. All right, so you live in Ocean Drive, haven't you? I know it's a very nice neighborhood, so maybe number 536 is unusual nice, but... Lady, our drivers don't leave their cabs in front of driveways. It's a company rule. Good night. But how do you like that? Hey, hey, lady... Benny, Benny, yeah, I've already thought of that. 536 Ocean Drive Avenue. Well, I'll go right out there, but... Oh, Grogan, could you tell me why I might be able to get a cab? Hundred block and mm-hmm. yes. Uh, stop now. Uh, Benny's cab is here. Hey, it looks empty. Hey, uh, driver, hang around for a while. Will you? Uh, okay, Mister. Right, There's no one oh. Oh, in the back of the cab. Hey, Benny. It's a lie. Well, what is? I didn't touch a drop. Furthermore, I never drink. And besides, you. Hey, you ain't my wife. No. Then who hit me in the head? A friend of yours, perhaps. Oh, no, my friends don't go around hitting me on the head. You know, it's too soft. It's... Wait a minute. Where's the blonde? Well, I don't have her on me. I'm beginning to remember now. She hailed a cab, got in, and then she started asking me about some cake. Dear Peggy. Told me to pull over to the curb. She kept talking about cake, and then she hit me on the head. And I don't even like cake. <laughs> Well, I don't get it. No, but Peggy did. Huh? I meant the cake. 
What's with the cake? Me, I'm strictly the rye bread type. And Peggy, remembering her figure... Oh, let us remember this for a while, huh? Strictly a rye crisp type. Therefore... You're home. She didn't want the cake to eat. Why not? Because you can't have your cake and eat it. Is that supposed to mean something? (laughs) Not to you. Here, Benny. And don't buy... Thanks, I already got a yacht. How did you know what I was going... I listened to the radio. Good evening, Mr. Templer. What? Oh, well, do you spend much of your time lurking in vestibules? Loads. I'm crazy about vestibules. Well, that's nice. I'll leave you to this one. Just a moment. That's not my elbow in your ribs. And I don't tell me. Let me guess. It's your tibia maximum? It's a revolver. It makes a loud noise and it fires bullets. Oh? You wouldn't be happy if I shot you. Neither would I. Well, why not take the gun out of my ribs and make us both delirious with joy? I shall, as soon as I have my cake. Your cake? I am Hector Vanderpool. Hector Van... <laughs> the owner of the Bachelor's Friend Bakery. How cunning of you to remember. Well, I don't have your cake. You might be fitting. I never said it's not cricket. <laughs> Neither is murder. But I shall murder you unless... In your apartment, if you please. Oh, of course. Here's the foyer and the living room. Now, you see? There's no one here. Where are they? Who? We're being very naive, aren't we? The diamonds, my friend. The diamonds? The lovely white diamonds dear Peggy gave you. Dear Peggy must have forgotten. Oh, no. She gave you the cake. So she did? The diamonds, I'm pretending you don't know, were in that cake. But why? Do diamonds make a cake taste better? Where are they? You're rapidly losing your whimsy, you know. Why are you so interested? I arranged their theft, my good man, at great inconvenience to myself and with considerable effort. I don't intend to give them up. Well, how did they get into that cake? Peggy. It would appear she decided to double-cross me. Therefore, she hid the diamonds in the cake and slipped the cake to you right under Greg's and Morton's nose. Well, they each had a nose to themselves. I find I'm tiring of wit. I'm beginning not to be amused. Nor amusing. Therefore, you will either hand over the diamonds at once or... Or else... Die. But I... Uh, get over to the side, Templar, near the window. Well, I've already seen the... Get over. Well, you and Phyllis. Oh, that gets you out of the way. Now, then. Well, you're heading for my bedroom. No, only the door. Oh, Dear Peggy, won't you please join us? Well, I, I was only... She was oh. only being a sister to me. Simon, I came back to go to him. I'm afraid I'll... Be... You're here because you're obviously working with Templar. But that's nice work if I can get it, but... Greg and Morton are both dead. I shall miss them, Peggy. Well, I have nothing to do with it. I shall miss them, but I won't miss you. Where are the diamonds? I don't know. You have perhaps a few seconds left of life. All right, I'll give them to you. They're here in my bag. Get your hand out of that bag. But the diamonds are here. Opportunity knock to join the proverb. But what? Which takes care of Mr. Vanderpool. Peggy? Oh, you shot me, Simon. Oh. I think I'm going to talk. Living hmm. room's cluttered with bodies. I must say Peggy's nicer, but... Oh, flesh room. I think everybody's going to live for a while. Oh. Are we coming to, Vanderpool? Oh, there's the revolver, yes. And a helping hand, and you're on your feet again. You, you... I probably am, and I certainly did. However, I have the gun. You, you're going to... Kill me, aren't you? Why should I? Because then you and Peggy can keep the band. You forget the corpses, don't you, Mr. Gregg and Morton? The police are going to want a murderer for that. Well, Peggy killed them, so... You forget I'm being a brother to Peggy. Oh, look, look, will you please, please get it over with? Now, now don't rush me. You, Gregg and Morton, were jewel thieves. The bakery served as a front. 
The diamonds in the cake were supposed to be Greg and Morton's share, right? Yes, yes, but the Greg and Morton are both dead. If you had the jewels, they'd all be yours now, wouldn't they? Yes, if I had the jewels. Peggy but... wasn't supposed to know anything about them. That's why you baked them into that cake. We both know all that. No, I... up until this moment, I didn't know that the jewels had been baked in the cake. Therefore, I... I shall not kill you. Well, what? Did... Because, you see, the police are going to take care of that. <laughs> the police and Mr. Vanderpool. But, Simon, I just don't... Oh, Peggy, you're adorable. You're a liar, and I don't mind explaining. Uh, Vanderpool killed Greg and Morton. How did I know? Uh, now you're supposed to say yes, Simon. How did you know? Yes, Simon, how did you know? And I'm glad you asked me. I knew because Vanderpool showed up at this apartment. Uh, now, how did you know about it? Greg and Morton had followed you from the bakery. You knew about it because I told you my name. Yes. <laughs> but Vanderpool had no way of knowing unless secretly he was at the bakery at the time of Morton's death and here when Greg was killed. Oh, and his motive was to keep all the jewels to himself. True. You know, I'm hungry. Would you mind getting that cake now? But, uh... well, where'd you hide it? In the bread box in the kitchen? Yes. Thank you, I... my love. You know, you may be under the impression that you're a crook, but you're not. Huh? Vanderpoor knew, if you remember, that the jewels weren't in your bag before you opened it. Uh, How? Simple. He knew you didn't have the jewels. How did he know that? Simple again. He hadn't put the jewels in the cake at all. What? His double cross had started before your attempt at hijacking. <laughs> so there are no jewels in the apartment, Peggy. Uh, I guess I'm not a good cook after all. <laughs> okay, I'll get the cake and we can eat it. Hmm. The important question now being... Is the cake any good? And now, here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, our friend Peggy might have done better had she chosen her friends more carefully. As a matter of fact, she might have chosen her cake more carefully, too, had she heeded the words of Margaret E. Sangster, who said, Oh, cakes and friends we should choose with care. Not always the finest cake that's there is the best to eat, and the plainest friend is sometimes the finest one in the end. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at this same time for another exciting adventure of the saints. Good night.